Let's do it. Alexander with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? And that'll get you right to the top of the list. Just give us a call. Glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call, too. We can take some time and ask you a question thoroughly for you, but it happens every week. We get (laughs) thrown out of here at 11 o'clock on the dot. Yeah. Yeah, if you wait to the end of the show, we got to kind of give you a little rushed answer because we're running up against the clock and we got to get out of here. And, And a lot of times, of course, we go out with people still on hold, so... If that happens to you. That's right. You can always visit the website and get your questions answered there. Mm-hmm. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. You can get your questions answered. Just go to that site and hit the contact bar. You can send Lewis a personalized question, time, day, or night, and get your questions answered back in 24 hours. Absolutely right. And we get quite a few of those. I don't mind at all. I sit down every afternoon after I get home and answer those and it gives me a little bit of insight into what people are thinking about and some pretty interesting stuff comes up so a lot of times i'll add it to the vehicle question so the next person comes along can find it a little bit easier yep that's probably the second resource on there is a pretty good sized database i guess there's probably about 850 vehicle questions which are questions with a short direct to the point answer that have already been answered and like there's tons of those in there Stuff like what are the symptoms of a bad oxygen sensor or what are the symptoms of a bad ball joint or something like that. Straight to the point. Yeah, and you'll read, it'll give you a little short answer. Now, if you want to know how a ball joint works or why you have ball joints, then you go to the detail topic section, which, which is a more in-depth article mm-hmm. about a certain topic. It'll tell you all about it. And I just put one on there this morning on tie rods. And tie rods are one of those things that most people just don't ever really think about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Until one of them breaks, and of course, when the tie rod breaks, you will lose your steering. Exactly. Period. No questions asked, you're going to lose steering. So it is an extremely, extremely important part of the car. And not only that, but knowing how to check a tie rod, even if you are never, ever going to do one yourself. Knowing if the guy telling you you need tie rods is telling you the truth. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a good bit in there on showing how a tie rod is inspected and how it is not inspected. Correct. And there is a very popular tactic or ploy out there. And what they do is take a great big pair of pliers and squeeze down your tie rod and say, see that movement in there? Which damages the tie rod and then it is bad. It crushes the spring that holds the tie rod tight. So now the tie rod is bad, but it wasn't before. Exactly. So if you ever go anywhere and you see someone do that and try to show you you need a tie rod, you need to be prepared for that. And reading this article will definitely help you out with that. And tons of other information there. Put one last week about the body cushions on the Ford Explorers. At yep. The Terry yeah, 8 and Creek Creek Creek. Pretty uh, notorious. One on there on the GM ABS units that go out where the pump starts running. You can take the key out the car and it keeps on running. Right. What to do if that happens. Shows you where the fuses are located you can pull. So all that sort of thing are in the detailed topic section and just a lot of good information in there. All right. There's the search bar. Search the whole database. That's correct. correct. The search bar. If you just type in what you're looking for, mm-hmm. kind of a short, yeah, try to very put, little information. Well, if you put one word, for instance, if you want to know about synthetic oil, just put the word synthetic, and it's going to find it. Right. And if you put a whole lot like what kind of synthetic oil should I use, well, it's not going to find that because there's too many words. And if you're on Google or something where there's 200 billion sites out there, it'll probably find something. But in a small site like we've got, it's over, well, it's right at a million words on that site. But it's just not going to 
give you as good results if you just type in a single word. Right. So that's the way you would do that. Now, another really good feature on there is you can listen to the radio show, Homicide, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there's an archive in there of one year's worth of shows. And there's also the current show. So a lot of people tell me, well, man, I work in a big metal building. I can't ever get your show. How can I listen? Da, da, da. Just go to the website every week. That show is on there. That's the current show. Uh-huh. And if you register, which is no cost at all, but if you register, it's going to bring up a list of one year's worth of archive shows. Great. So you can go back and do that as well. So that's just a very few things that are on that site. It's big, 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 big site. Lots and lots of things do. Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines with Johnny. Good morning, Johnny. Hey, good morning. This is the first time caller oh, for great. me. So, uh, well, thank you. I want to ask you a question. I'm a lover of trucks. Uh-huh. I'm a big deer hunter. I love to go up to my property in Mississippi and yes, hunt. Sir. It's a four-hour trip. Uh-huh. Is there any future for us as far as with the high gas prices, diesel prices, something coming out on the market that's going to get us some gas mileage in our trucks uh, so we can make these long hauls? Johnny, there's nothing on the immediate horizon. Down the road, probably quite a piece. If, if we're looking out 10, 15 years, there's lots of stuff that's pretty promising. In the immediate short run, I think we're going to be pretty much stuck with what we've got, primarily because all of the car companies, the major players, are basically bankrupt right now. They're scratching just trying to make it. And they just don't have a lot of money to retool, reinvest, or take any kind of gambles on anything that's not tried and true. The stuff that they are doing is going to cars and not trucks, simply because you have the cafe rating where they get penalized if a car doesn't get so much gas mileage. Only this yeah. year they're starting to bring trucks under that. It's a higher rating for the trucks. So I don't see any substantial increase in fuel mileage. You could take a Chevy pickup now. It's probably getting 16 in town, 20 on the road. If you if drive it easy. Yeah, if you drive it easy. The Ford is somewhat worse than that, and the Dodge is probably a little bit worse than that. I thought I'd heard somebody come out with one of that 8 miles per gallon that on the highway. What? That must have been a dream I had. <laughs> it must have been. You can get, some of your diesels will get a little better mileage than that. But then again, you're paying a lot more for diesel fuel than you are gasoline, plus paying a lot more for the truck. One thing, Johnny, that may soothe your conscience just a little bit, go to my website. There's a calculator on there. And you can type in the vehicle you got with the mileage you got. Then you can type in a vehicle you're considering with the mileage that it gets. And you can put in the cost of fuel, the number of miles you drive, and all that stuff. What is really, really going to surprise you is how little money you actually save. Gas mileage is way, way, way over-touted as far as the actual dollars you save. Right. I know folks who have gone and traded a good vehicle in, spent $25,000, $30,000 for another one to save five miles a gallon. It's, right. it's going to take them about 100 years to get their money back. I hear you. <laughs> you know? Okay, well, Lewis, well, thank you here. Okay, Johnny, thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Fire, we would love to have you. And we've got David online. Good morning, David. Hey, Lewis, how you doing? Good, great, sir. Look, I got a little 2000 Honda Accord mm-hmm. with a little VTEC four-cylinder. Okay. Last week, the check engine light came on, okay. and I noticed it started idling rough at an idle. Mm-hmm. Well, I went ahead to one of those local parts stores, right. and they put that little machine on it mm-hmm. and said it was possible a uh, vacuum leak. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, I think number one cylinder had a had a dead, had a miss in it. Okay. It could have been a vacuum leak, clogged injector, or a plug wire. Yeah. Well, I think I've ruled out everything. But yeah, I was out better than any one of those. <laughs> You know, what those cars are bad about, David, you've got to know how to interpret those codes. Uh-huh. The EGR system on those Hondas 
what it does, it opens up and it ducks air into four into one channel that goes to four different ports. And that is how your EGR works on it. Now, what happens if carbon tends to plug three of the ports up out of the four, which happens all the time, when that valve opens, it's just like a huge big vacuum leak on that one cylinder because all the gas is going to one cylinder. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to set an EGR code. It's going to set some kind of a misfire code or it's going to set like a lean on the bank code or that sort of thing. Honda had a good deal of trouble with that. And the fix is you have to go in, pull the intake off, drill those little holes all back out, clean it up. I would just, without seeing the car, I would guess you're probably into something like that. Now, if you suspect the injector, you don't have to change the injector. What you can do is take number one injector, put it on number two, take number two and put it on number one and see if the misfire moves. Yeah, they just swap, swap them. Just swap right instead of buying one. If the misfire doesn't move, it ain't the injector. But yeah, well, what my question was going to be is if I could clean that injector because I put some. Uh, well, you could, but how you know it's injector? Right, exactly. And you already got ten percent ethanol in your fuel, so you go dump more of it in there because all that injector cleaner is just concentrated ethanol. Right. Don't let anybody talk you into putting something in the gas tank to clean the carburetor. Right. The injectors out. Yeah, it ain't gonna work. It's not gonna work. And it can hurt the car. Injectors clean themselves. Yeah, they're self cleaning. Okay, okay. So that's just something they sell y'all is sell you this, say that, do this like it's a silver bullet. And it's not. <laughs> so you already got 10% ethanol in your fuel. You dump that. We've had people come in the car hardly runs. You test the fuel and it's almost 20% ethanol. Right, we had right. one in this week. Yeah, and then I dumped two cans of injector cleaner right. in a 10-gallon tank. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Lewis, how difficult is it to, to pull that injector out of there? I never, not never real. Not very. I mean, it's on a rail. It's got a couple of bolts holding the rail down. Right. When you take it out, you got to take all four of them. Not yeah, a walk together. in the park, but it's not too bad. Is there a clipper there or anything there that holds them? Or you uh, it's it's a little bolt or something that holds it down. I don't remember exactly how a Honda works. I don't, I don't think I've ever done one myself. The guys in the shop yeah. do them all the time. But I think it's a, some kind of a little old rail that bolts down. You take that all off right. and they just pop I've out. I've seen that, yes. I've mm-hmm. seen that. Then the injector ought to just take a pair of pliers and pop it out. Maybe. Yeah, you pop it's it out with your fingers. It's got an O-ring on the top and an O-ring on the bottom, and I'm not sure if there's a clip that actually holds the injector to the rail. Uh huh. But I know there's not one that holds it to the engine. the engine block. Right. So if right. you pull the rail, the injector should come with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, make sure if you do take them out, you change the O-rings when you yeah, put them back change in. Change the O-rings, put a little bit of uh, silicone grease or something on that O-ring so it'll slip right back down in there. Okay. Well, I'm going to sure try that because uh, every time I've called you before, you've been able to help me out. <laughs> yeah, so I really appreciate it. I'd be surprised that wasn't it. Yes, sir. Well, All right. Thank you very much. You guys have a good day. Okay, Thank you, David. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? We're going to take one more call for our break. We've got Aaron online. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. I have a 07 Toyota Tacoma. Okay got about 58,000 miles on it, okay. and whenever I was braking, it mm-hmm. sounded like the little warning symbol was making that high squeak noise, uh-huh. and so I changed my front pad, mm-hmm. and it's still doing it. Right. What you need to do, Aaron, is go in there and just find out what the problem is there's, but it only does it when you brake, Aaron? Yes, only when I brake. What kind of brake pads you put on it? My bottom. Yeah. Okay. Take bucks. that junk off. Go to the Toyota dealer, buy a set of real brake pads, and make sure those little stainless steel shims are on the back of them. Okay. And what you do is you got there's a special grease that you got to put between the pad and that shim, and in between the shim and the caliper. Okay. And that's going to probably knock your noise out. Now, if you also check your rotor, even though it looks smooth, take your fingernail and kind of drag across surface. If it's got a little lip on the edge, which they have a lot of times, what happens? The face of the rotor will kind of wear in. Mm-hmm. And the lip of it, of course, the pad doesn't hit there and leaves like a little edge. 
that little edge will hit on the side of that pad and it'll make a squealing noise. Yeah, when you put the new pad when on. You put the new pads on. In fact, new it pads will make it worse. Yeah, because it doesn't seat all the way against the rotor. It's cocking the pad over mm-hmm. and it's only dragging on the corners. Right. You can put those in a lathe, either turn the little edge off or put new rotors on it, whichever. You know, check the price for rotors. Some of them are fairly inexpensive nowadays and you can almost buy rotors for as cheap as you can get them turned. Right. All right. I appreciate it. Check those things. And I tell you, go to my website, too, and type in, like, brakes in the search bar. There's a couple of pretty nice articles in there on disc brakes. Tells you all the stuff that I just told you, plus some more stuff. Should have some all pictures right. with it. Pictures and all that as well. Yeah. I appreciate it. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive, we would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? One quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Travel my way, take the highway. So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At AGCO, you can. Take your car to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Ah, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hail. Baby, baby, it looks like it's All gonna right, hail. All right, one of my favorites. <laughs> Jump Hey, welcome back. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alton, Mr. Brian Terry. Between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? And if you're one of our podcast listeners, you might want to go ahead and call in as well. I know a lot of folks, of course, when they get the podcast, it's too late to call in. But right. you can also listen live. That's great. Yeah. If you pop on there, I think they actually stream the show live. So, and well, also, thumbs up for that. That's right. want to mention that, uh, stand corrected on Toyotas. Brian told me that there are some Toyotas do have squeal indicators on them now. Right. Um, shows my lack of knowledge of modern cars. <laughs> well, well, when they come through the office, they're still in the box. That's right. That's you right. Know, when they hit the shop, they come out the box. But some of you Toyos do have squeal mm-hmm. indicators. A little, little correction there. Let's go back to our phone lines with Josh. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. I've got a 2006 Chevrolet, uh-huh. three-quarter ton, four-wheel drive pickup okay. truck. Yes, sir. And uh, it's pulling. It's got a steady pull to the right. Okay. Uh, and I got it aligned, mm-hmm. and that, that helped it a lot. And then I, it was still pulling, so I took it back, and they re- they rotated the the tire on the mm-hmm. side that it was pulling. Yes, right. So they said it had some wear on it, and that helps a little bit, but it's still got a pretty steady pull to the mm-hmm. right. Yes, sir. And they said it had a broken CV boot. Okay. Yeah, and, that won't make it pull. Okay. I mean, it may have a broken boot, but that will not make it pull. Okay. All right. Well, I was wondering then what uh, if you had any idea. Yeah, uh, there's tons and tons of things, Josh, that can make that thing pull other than alignment or even with an alignment. See, alignment is not really one thing per se. Alignment is a specification and is a wide range. So you could technically be within spec and still pull just because of the way you set the specs. And there's a real nice article on my website. If you go in and type in the word alignment, it's going to bring it up and explain to you about how alignment works with caster and camber and all that. What I would do first before I did anything else is take the two front tires, and you could probably do this yourself. Just jack it up, take the right front tire, put it on the left, put the left front tire on the right. 
Okay? Go drive it again. If it pulls the other way. Or if it gets a lot better. Or if it just stops pulling completely. Right. Then you got a bad tire. And, and there's nothing in the alignment that's going to take that right. out. That's right. That's called conicity. And there's another article on the website all about conicity, how it occurs, why it occurs, and all that sort of thing. Extremely common. Extremely common situation. So before you waste a lot of money on anything else, just make that one little simple test. Jack it up, cross front tires, go drive it. If it goes the other way, then you need to go talk to your tire dealer. That is a warrantable defect in a tire. Even if they, they already rotated that front right tire? Yes, sir. Well, it could be the left one that's it causing the problem. It could be the left one causing the problem. Or you could have a bad back and front. That, yeah. That's not even uncommon. The only way to know for sure is cross them side to side. Because all you've done is move tires. Right. So if it changes then you know it's got to be the tire because nothing else changed right. but the tire. Now, if you yeah. cross them side to side and it makes no difference whatsoever, does not affect it at all, then you know it's not the tire. You go and move to other things. They can be the way the alignment is set. They may not have enough offset on what they call caster. In other words, it can be within spec and still pull if you don't have the offset correct. It has to be right side to side as well as right. Beyond alignment, you can have something like a power steering gear can cause them to pull. Nerves, there's a little bitty valve in that steering gear, and when you turn right or turn left, it opens and it ducks pressure to a piston, which pushes your car one way or the other. If that little valve hangs just, I mean, a thousandth of an inch off center, it's going to duck pressure over there all the time, so the car will continually pull. That's one other thing. Anything that's binding in the front end can cause you to, to pull like that. Something like a ball joint that is full of mud, getting in the mud, and maybe the boots busted, mud got into it, and it's binding. Anything like that, a binding tie rod, any of those things, even something like a dragging brake caliper can cause you to pull. So there's a number of things that can cause a pull other than just a wheel alignment, and even within a wheel alignment. I mean, I pretty much made a 40-year career out of just solving these kind of problems, so... I can, I can give you more information. you got time to listen to. I can share you. But start out, cross those two front tires. I mean, that's something you can do yourself real easy. If it goes the other way, you need to go talk to the tire dealer before you do anything else. Now, if it doesn't affect it at all, no effect whatsoever, then you need to get back into the alignment guy. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, Josh. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Great. I have a question about a, a Mercury Sable that I have. It's a 2002. Okay. And this has been a, a while now that I noticed this, but I've been to check the coolant mm -hmm. and like there was no coolant in the reservoir. Okay. I seem to remember that the coolant was sort of an orange color. Yes, okay. golden. And I went and just got some regular coolant. I figured coolant is coolant. Nope. <laughs> if the water pump was bad, it leaks now. Yeah. Well, and the, the question is, have I destroyed the car? It's possible, depending on how long it's been going on. We total cars probably once a week because of cooling system problems. Uh, I had a guy come in earlier this week, and same type of a story you had. I took a look at it for about 15 minutes, told him, go get another car. It ain't worth fixing. Uh -huh. I mean, you could literally destroy the car with a cooling system because it goes into so many different pieces. The coolant that you've got in there is an OAT coolant. It's gold. It's Motocraft VC7. That OAT means it does not have silicates in it. Okay. Now, when you put the green stuff in there, you dump the silicate into a system not designed to work for it. That's probably what knocked the water pump seal out. Okay. That's the reason they don't use that. What I would suggest, John, before you spend a penny more on this car, uh -huh. is to bring it to someone who knows what they're doing, who is honest and is going to give you an honest opinion and have them do a general inspection on the car. Because what I'm telling you, that cooling system problems can get out of hand so fast that you won't believe it. It's sort of like cancer in your body. Uh -huh. It will eat the car away. Bring it to somebody who knows what they're doing, get them to check it, get them to evaluate it, 
Now, if the car is still in relatively good shape, you need to go in, get every bit of the coolant out of there, get all the rust and corrosion out of there, and then go ahead and replace the water pump, put the right stuff back in there with distilled water. You may get years and years more use out of the car. I see. But before I went and started spending money, right? because I'm going to tell you, there's few things yeah. that people do worse than cooling system services. Well, uh, they put city water in it. They don't mix the coolant right. right. They don't pre-mix the coolant. I mean, on and on and on right. and on. And corrosion, once it starts, you got to remember, these cars are nothing like the cars we had 10 years ago. Uh-huh. You got aluminum radiator. You got aluminum heater core. That takes 10 hours to get to. That's buried under the dash. It's paper thin. You let that coolant get bad, eat the heater core up. Man, you are talking 1500 bucks to repair. And you right. got water dripping on the floor in the car. Today, it's a water pump. Tomorrow, it may be a radiator. The next day, right. it may be a heater core. The next day, it may be a radiator again. Head gaskets. Yeah. You know, it'll just eat the car away sure. really, really quick. So get it to somebody who knows what they're doing and let them check the car thoroughly. Make sure you don't have a bad problem and it's not out of control. Then they can go in and neutralize what you got, put it back like it goes. And no reason the car couldn't go many, many, many more miles as long as you catch it early enough. Understand. The absolute worst possible thing you can do, and that is start adding water and adding cooler to it and let it leak. Because when you do, you're ingesting oxygen into the system, which you know what oxygen does to any chemical reaction. Right. Vastly, vastly accelerates it. So right. cooling systems should never have to have coolant added to them. I mean, they're sealed. They, you know, If you got to add coolant, you got a problem. You know, It's time to stop and get it fixed real quick. And like I said, depending on how long it's been going on, you may still be able to pull this one back, but I'm not exaggerating to you one bit when I tell you this will get out of hand before you can right. take yeah. a breath. Okay. All righty. Well, listen, thanks for the help okay, and, John. Uh, and the advice. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, sir. Thank you now. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, you figure as many years as you've been doing this, you'd find the right button one day. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this show for 20 years. Yeah. This is the 50th show this year. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still pressing the wrong button. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what you going to do? What you going to do? <laughs> and we got Michael online. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you? Doing great, sir. Can I have a question? My mom has a 07 Alexis SE350. Yes, and it only has 12,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. How often should I get that oil changed? The engine oil? Right. Yeah. Mike, you're not going to really be able to go by miles on that because she's not putting very many miles. And that is extreme service. I mean, I would change it at least twice a year, no less than twice a year, regardless of the miles. Just because mm-hmm. what happens, she's cranking it up and she's probably going down to the beauty shop and, and sits there and she comes back out, she drives home. Maybe she gets up, she goes to church, gets up, no, goes no, to the grocery she, store. She's legally blind. She can't drive anymore and I drive it, but we don't drive it that Yeah, much. it's short trips, see? And what happens, you crank it up and let's say the outside temperature is 60 degrees. Well, the engine starts going up, and it gets to 80, 100, 120, 140, 180, and you shut it off. Right. Well, it, as it cools down, like any piece of metal that's hot that cools, what happens? Moisture condenses on it. And right. the oil absorbs that moisture because that's what it's supposed to do. But then the next time it happens again, next time it happens again, each time it's parts per million. But before you know it, the oil is all full of moisture. It starts turning to acid. It starts tacking all the metal in the engine. Now, the way an engine works is when you get it up to 212 degrees and you hold it for a couple of hours, that moisture boils out, and the PC system sucks it out. That's how it cleans itself. Right. But So you're not ever getting to that point on this engine. So right. I would certainly not go more than twice a year. I mean, I would. I always say you have to drive a car. You can't just let it no. deteriorate when my, you let them sit like that. If I could get that through people's head, <laughs> you know, we'd probably cut my business way down, which wouldn't be good for me, but it'd be good for you. But it's just like a person. You, you ever seen a guy retire and go sit on the couch? Right. How many years is he going to last? Well, yeah. I'm not long. Not long. 
and the Lexus dealerships even tell me you have to run those cars. Yeah, you do because well, and you know, the, it just recently turned over twelve thousand miles, and it was four years old this month. Wow. Yeah, you can start killing batteries. Will be one of the first things you can notice. Battery will keep going dead in because you're not driving enough to charge it. But the transmission will sludge up, the engine will sludge up, the tires will dry rot. I mean, it's just real, real, real hard on them. You know what I've been noticing though, when it sits a while. Uh-huh. And I go to crank it, I hear the valves knocking. Yeah, we'll see all the oil's drained out of it. Everything's right. drained down in the pan, so it's cranking up bone dry. What wouldn't be a bad idea, Michael, also, is to go ahead and start putting synthetic oil in it. Just convert it over to synthetic. It's going to cost you a little bit more, but no more than what you're changing, and it doesn't really matter. That would give you a lot more protection for that dry startup. Yeah, well, I kind of worry about that because it really doesn't, and to me, it doesn't. I'm not a mechanic. I'm mm-hmm. not a mechanic, but it doesn't sound right. Right. Well, all the oil's draining back to the pan, so when you crank up, it's got to recirculate all through that engine, and it's going to take a while to get up there. Right. So it's, de- it's it definitely does, doing it damage. Once it does, it's okay, you know. It but does, but right. you got five or six seconds there where everything's dry, which is doing right. damage. So it wouldn't hurt to convert it over to synthetic oil and change it at least twice a year. What you suggest? I like Mobile One. I mean, that's my favorite. Mobile that's, One, so yeah. is that synthetic? Yes, just look at the cap. It'll tell you what all it takes, but Mobile One and a Toyota oil filter. Yeah. Okay, well, right. thank you very much. Okay, Michael. Mm, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. We have Barbara online. Good morning, Barbara. Hi, Lewis. How are you? I'm great, ma'am. Well, you got my truck in, you got my truck in your shop. Okay. You, you know the one I'm talking yes, about, ma'am. the F-150. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What happened to it? <laughs> On your particular truck, you have a planetary gear that broke a tooth for some reason. Now, why does that happen? I don't think you abuse the truck. I think it's probably just a bad design from Ford. We do see that quite a bit, even that, because yours is fairly low mileage, what, 70,000 miles, I think? Yeah, it's got 70,000 miles on it. But when we dropped the pan to service it, there was a handful of metal in the pan. And oh my God. luckily, most of it fell straight down. It didn't get into the other gears. So Josh is actually over there this morning working on it. He came in on oh, Saturday because we're so stacked up for next week. Uh, he's trying to get a little heads up on it. But once I get done with it, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more. But for some reason, a planetary gear chipped off a tooth. And when it did, it kind of went through the other gears. So it just broke all that metal up. And fortunately, my question is, I didn't have any, I mean, I had, it didn't make any noises. It didn't, uh, didn't act like it was yeah, doing anything it shouldn't be doing. It had a little whine to it, but you probably came on slow and you got used to it. Cause I know when I drove it, I could hear a little whining noise in, in higher uh-huh. gears. That's about the only sign you get. The next sign is going to quit moving. I you see, don't get a whole lot of symptoms. So, uh, lucky that you got it in when you did. Fortunately, I think we're going to be able to just probably put seals, clutches and, and stuff. I don't think you tore up any gears too bad, but like I said, we'll know something by Monday on it. Well, I know one thing. I'm sure glad that I got it. I'm sure glad that I got it where I got it at. Yeah, well, I thank appreciate so it. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. That's one of those things. When a transmission chips a gear, or breaks a gear, or breaks a planetary, or something like that, you could service that transmission every month, and it's not going to help with that. That's, that's right. just a design, that's a design flaw. This service will certainly help most things, but that's right. one thing it can't help. Just a poorly designed. Same thing with like your Chevrolet transmission, your 4L60, right. where it breaks the reaction shell. Just a defective part, and all the service in the world is not going to help that. But we got to take one more quick little break. Liz, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. Welcome. I am the great fondue automobile fortune teller. Sit. 
I'm hoping you can tell me if I have any big car repairs looming in my future. Ah, I see you among many cars, stopping and going. Yeah, Baton Rouge traffic. Now you're making a left turn. Hands ten and two. Nice form. Uh, thanks? Now you're stopped at a light. Look, you're just naming things I do every day. I want to know if my car is going to break down anytime soon. If you're hoping to gaze into your car's future, Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. Agco gives you an honest opinion on the maintenance needed to keep your car running and save you money on big repairs in the future. Craig Fondue, you should try another profession instead of a car fortune teller. Well, I was a mechanic at one of those quickie lube places, and believe me, I'm actually a better fortune teller. Well, that's scary. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesale, Mr. Brian Carey, between two of us to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going right straight back to our phones with Liz. Good morning, Liz. Hey, Liz. Um, how are you today? I am just great, ma'am. I have a question okay. about a 99 Lex. Okay. Um, my check engine light came on. Okay. And I went to one of the auto parts okay. stores. Yes, ma'am. They ran a computer thing, mm-hmm. told me what it was, which made no sense at right, all. Right, And I asked them if it would hurt to drive it. They said, no, it might decrease the gas mileage. Do you know what the code was? No. Was it an auction sensor, maybe? Yeah. Okay. I went to another one the next day, right. and they told me the same thing. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen, because Lexus are very common about that. And when I say common, they generally, around eighty to 100,000 miles, the oxygen sensor will go out. Mm-hmm. What the oxygen sensor does is sets the fuel-air mixture. If it doesn't work, it's going to tear up what they call the catalytic converters. Oh. Those are $2,500. Okay. And it generally takes about two or three weeks to do that. Okay, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you work on Alexa? Oh, absolutely. And where are you located? Corsi Boulevard, 11410 Corsi. Oh, okay, know, I know, know exactly yeah. where you are. I live out in Shenandoah. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Well, but I will come in to see you. Fairly minor repair that's protecting a very expensive component. You make an excellent point. I'm glad you called because a lot of people will go to these goofballs, and I mean, they may be qualified to sell an auto part, but they're not qualified to give automotive advice. That's kind of like saying, hey, look, I've got a black mold, and the guy says, oh, you'll be okay. Well, see, that's why I called you. That's right. Good deal. Well, look, thank you, and I will see you one day this week. Okay, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Can you imagine somebody saying, oh, he's only an ox sensor, it's not important. Yeah. How about that, huh? Yeah. I tell you what, when my catalytic converters go out in Lexus, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> somebody here's going to I'll put the bill for him. There you go. Let's oh, see man. who we've got. Sean's been patiently holding. Good morning, Sean. Hey, good morning. Yes, good sir. Good morning. I've got a 99 Tahoe uh-huh. without any heat, which up to a couple weeks ago really hadn't been a problem. Okay. Both of my hoses going in and out of my heater core feel hot. Okay, good. Warmed up the temperature. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at first I was thinking a blocked heater core. Well, that's not real common on Chevrolet's or General Motors products. That's very common on Fords, but hardly ever do we see that on GM. More likely on that thing, Sean, you're going to have a temperature door actuator that is not working. It's a little motor under the dash, and you have a heater core and you have an evaporator core sitting side by side in the case. And the fan's blowing in there, and this door ducks air either through the heater core or the evaporator core. Now, if it went out and stuck on heat, you'd do about it right off the bat because you wouldn't have got any air conditioning and it cooked you out of there this summer. But it's stuck on 
the air conditioned side, so you didn't know about it until it got cold. That is almost always going to be the case with that. There's four of those little motors under there. Two of them are not too hard to change. Two of them are real bare. You got to pull half the dash out. And I'm not certain which one that is, but if you got a Tech 2 scan tool, which you're not going to get a parts store, but a, a real shop is going to have a a tech too, they can go in and read the counts on those motors and tell you exactly which motor it is pretty easy. And uh, like I said, it, it may be a big deal to fix. It may not. It just depends on which motor is, is bad. Terrific. Thank All you right. so much. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to have you. And we got Ryan on the line. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Lewis. How's it going, man? I'm great, sir. Thank you. I got a question. I have an 05 Nissan Frontier pickup uh -huh. truck. Yes, sir. Nismo off-road package, two-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Vehicle is impeccably maintained. Okay. I mean, I, I do not miss a service. I run Mobile One in it, the whole shoot match. Okay. I am, it's got 126,000, almost 127,000 miles uh -huh. on it. I'm getting a high oil pressure reading on my gauge on the dash. Yeah, how high is it, Brian? It actually is responding to throttle input, so it's matching RPM. Mm -hmm. This particular model, they actually put a real sending unit on it. it right. It have right. a dummy gauge. Uh-huh. I was wondering, are there any other symptoms of high oil pressure? Well, yeah, but I mean, how high is it? What's it reading? Oh, it'll peg. It'll peg all the way okay. over. It'll I'll peg you, and it won't, it won't stay peg, which if it stayed peg, I'd have a, I'd have a feeling it was right. a bad sending unit. Well, the, the best thing is a bad sending unit, and that is still a possibility because they can lose their range, and they'll okay. still work, but they'll read off. That's the best thing. The next best thing is probably a stuck regulator in the oil pump. It has okay. a regulator, because oil pump can always make way more pressure than the engine needs. Right. And what it does, it dumps the additional pressure back to the pan. That would be the next best thing. The next thing is going to be real major, which would be you turn the bearing or something in the engine and something's not getting oil. That's why the pressures are jumping way up. But the first thing I would do is mm -hmm. take the sending unit out and right. put you a manual oil pressure gauge yeah, in it and read sense. that pressure. Because if the pressure is like, is if the pressure is where it's supposed to be, you can forget everything Lewis just told you. Right. More than likely, the sending unit or the gauge is gone bad. Right. Or the wiring between the two. Right. And okay. being that you took the sending unit out to put the manual gauge in, just go ahead, put just go ahead and yeah, put a sending unit not on. Terribly it expensive. When you find out what the oil pressure pressure is running, don't skip that step and verify the oil pressure. Now, I have also seen some gauges in the dash do that, just yeah. lose their range and just okay. start reading way too high. I tell you one last thing, and this might be kind of a long shot, Ryan, but it's possible that all filter could be restricted too. Can cause well, that. I just, I've actually, I just had it changed. Okay, and didn't affect it. Yeah, and it, it it ran fine. You know, I had it changed. I, uh -huh. I drove back from Houston, in uh -huh. it, and then it just arbitrarily started doing it again last night. I'm not getting any other indicators that a thing's running bad. Yeah, because you'd probably start getting some noise if it had an internal engine problem, with the exception of the oil pump bypass. That's not going to make right. any noise. It's just going to boost that pressure way high. You don't want to run with high oil pressure, though, because you can damage something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just verify it with a mechanical gauge. If it's good, go ahead and change the sender and see what that doesn't do. Worst case scenario, if the oil pressure is right, you could be into a dash gauge. That's kind of rare, but I have seen a few of them do that. Yeah, and if it's a dash gauge, I ain't going to mess with it. Yeah, so. I mean, as long as you know what it is and you know it just reads higher, you could kind of live with it or you could put an auxiliary gauge or really, I think those gauges can be replaced, if I'm not mistaken, without changing the whole dash. Okay. All right. Well, that's All good right. Place to start. Appreciate y'all. Okay, Ryan. Thanks, All right. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Darren on the line. Good morning, Darren. Hey, how's it going? Doing great, Good sir. morning. I got a 2003 Toyota 4Runner, mm -hmm. and has automatic transmission. I was talking to a buddy of mine. We're both investigators, and we mm -hmm. sit in the summertime and run our engines for okay. hours on end. Yeah. And we were, he said that does damage to the automatic transmission. 
And I was wondering if there was any truth to that, or is there any damage done at all? Well, it's not good to let them sit and idle, Darren, just because that's probably the least efficient way an engine runs, and it puts an awful lot of wear and tear on the engine. Now, as far as damaging anything, unless you've got it in gear with your foot on the brake, I don't think it's going to hurt the transmission. It could possibly overheat the transmission because the same cooling system that cools the engine cools the transmission. So if you're keeping an eye on your temperature and it's not getting hot, you're probably okay. I would most likely, Darren, if it was me, be running synthetic oil in that vehicle, if okay. you're not already, just to give you some extra protection. Because it is a very inefficient way to run the car and don't like to run that way. If you read Toyota's description of severe service, one of them is excessive idling. And if it's sitting idling for long periods of time, I would be running synthetic oil and I'd be changing that oil fairly regular. Okay. But I don't think you could do any damage, like I said, unless you got the end gear with your foot on the brake. Then you could overheat the car converter or something. But uh, if you're just sitting there idling, I don't think it's going to hurt your transmission. All righty. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? And we've got Kay online. Good morning, Kay. Yes, I have a uh, 2001 Odyssey, mm -hmm. and I've got about 170,000 miles on it. Okay. It kind of, whenever I go around corners, it whinds. I've checked air pressure mm -hmm. uh, in the tires, and that's okay, and power steering fluid's is okay. It a, is it a squeal or a whine? What would you say? It's more of a whine. Yeah? It's not quite as high-pitched as a, as a squeal would be. Right. And it seems to be coming through the dashboard. In other words, whenever I roll down my window and listen, yeah. I don't hear it as loud as I do in the cabin. You know, I what? bet you that could possibly be a wheel bearing going bad. Mm -hmm. What you might try, Kay, is get out on like a kind of a long, lonely road where there's not any other traffic. Uh -huh. And just kind of cut your wheel back and forth when you're driving. Yeah. You kind of swerve and see if it gets louder one way and quieter the other way. It, I've tried that. It doesn't. It, it seems to Stays be. And, and it doesn't do it all the time. It's not completely consistent. The only other thing I can think of would be the power steering pump maybe whining on it. They'll make a whine kind of a noise like that. Will it do it sitting still or do you have to be rolling? No. Yeah. Oh. Hmm, I don't know. Try it. Try, try, that. try yeah. it sitting still. Try it without moving. And if it still does it when you cut the wheel. It's uh -huh. probably going to be the power steering pump. The simplest thing is a little bit low on fluid, which, of course, means you got a leak. But that does take a special fluid. It's a Honda-only fluid, so don't put just regular fluid in it. Right. And check that, top it off, and if the noise goes away temporarily, just get the, the leak checked and see where it's leaking at. Wouldn't be a bad idea to probably replace the fluid in it. That's real inexpensive. In fact, there's an article on the website on changing power steering fluid. You can do it yourself or have your husband or son or whoever do it for you. It's fairly easy to do, and that could stop the leak in some cases because the new fluid is going to have seal conditioner in it. Okay. And sometimes that will cure the whole problem. All right. Great. All righty. Thank you. Thank yes, you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye. Maybe you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We're going to take one last little break, and we will be right back with the conclusion. So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. 
Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. I get no kick from champagne. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour final segment. And between myself and Mr. Brian Terry, we will try to answer any questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Still got a few minutes left. We got Gerald on the line. Good morning, Gerald. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. I'm having a problem with a, a gas order coming from a Honda Accord okay. uh, engine compartment. Okay. It's a 93. Mm-hmm. Gerald, almost every time you're getting gas smell from the engine compartment, it's going to be an injector seal because that's just about the only place gas can leak out. Most of the lines on there are not like in the old days where they had rubber lines. They're hard plastic lines. They're crimped together. There's just hardly anywhere for them to leak, and if they do leak, they're going to leak big time. You're not just a little bit. You'll have more than a smell problem. So I would get someone to check the injector seals. It could have possibly blown one of the seals between the fuel rail and the injector itself. Mm -hmm. There's also a lower seal, but if that one blows, you're not going to get a gas smell. You're going to start missing because you're going to suck air into the engine. Okay. So uh, probably one of those. They can be kind of hard to find because a tiny, tiny amount of gas will make an awful lot of smell. So what we do on them at the shop is add a little bit of fluorescent dye to the fuel let it run a while and then take a black light and go over it and you'll see where the dye trace dyes come out just like you do on an air conditioning unit okay they make it a dye just for gasoline as well that's the way you generally go about finding it unless you can see it which is kind of rare because it just takes so little gas to really get a big old whiff smell you know just a tiny tiny bit will make a lot of smell okay all righty all right that sounds right okay Gerald. okay thanks, thanks man bye-bye all right if you want to be part of the automotive i we'd love to have you and we've got ron online good morning ron Good morning, gentlemen. How yes, you sir. Are? I am just Good great, morning, sir. I got a question just yes. as far as a safety issue. Uh-huh. got a 2000 F-150. Yes, sir. My wife drives it most of the time. Uh-huh. When the ABS light started coming on. Yes, sir. And it would come on for a day, and mm-hmm. I'd go out to look at it, and it'd go off. And yes, right. It wouldn't right. come on for a week. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Is that going to co- I mean, I know I probably need to look at the ABS system, but is that something that if it goes out, her brakes are going to fail? No, no, absolutely not. It's a system that... It's an electrical system that monitors the brakes. Ron, it has nothing to do with the brakes themselves. In other words, you can't lose brakes or anything like that. Now, in that particular truck, what I would do is go to the Ford dealer and tell them you want a rear ABS sensor, the one that's in the rear differential. Crawl up under that truck, and there's one bolt. You'll see a little thing right at the top of the rear diff. Pull that out, put the new one in there. It's going to cost you about $20, and about 90% chance that's going to fix the problem. All right. You take the bolt out, and it's got a little rubber O-ring around it mm-hmm. that seals it into the housing. You kind of kind of twist it back and forth to yeah. break that seal and then take it out. Pull Just it out. make sure the new one has a sensor on it. Put your little silicone seal grease on it. on it. Put it back in there and bolt it back down and plug it back up. Yep. Simple. That's the, okay. That is an extremely, extremely common problem on those year models. And can't absolutely guarantee it's going to fix it, but that is cheaper than even bring it to me and let me check it to tell you anything else. Yeah. I got you. It costs more to check it than, than it would to change but that. And I can sh- tell you, if it ain't bad right now, it's going to be bad. They all fail. Be sure you right. get a motorcraft yeah. go from to the dealer. Yeah, go to the dealer and buy it. Yeah. If the light still on. comes on and bring it to me, I can check it and tell you why it is. I mean, they've got an electronic module on there. They've got all kinds of other gizmos. There's two sensors in the front. But all of that doesn't give a lot of trouble, and that rear one goes out constantly. Okay. Like, I just want to make sure, she, you know, if it yeah. came on or something, she wasn't no, 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 all she's, it, it won't have any lock function, is it? And I mean, in the South, 
it just how often do you use anti-lock brakes? You know, almost never. I mean, it's a nice okay. feature, particularly if you're on ice and snow. It's, it's great. But down here, never really snows much, never gets much ice on the road. Really, I'm not going to say it's useless, but you don't hardly ever use it. and it's, You'll still have full regular brakes. It won't affect your brakes at all. All right. Well, all right. I feel a lot better now. Thank okay, you, man. All right, all right. Enjoy the show. Thanks, Thank sir. You. Bye-bye. All right, part of the automotive hour. We still got about four minutes. We can get another call in if you want to give us a call. Yeah, that's a big misconception about ABS brakes. It is. And again, I've got an article on the website just on that kind of stuff on ABS brakes, how they work, what they do. Probably one of the most misunderstood systems on the car. Definitely. Along with a check engine light, of course. But yeah. People think, well, my car's going to stop better because I got ABS brakes. Well, that's not the case. It, it won't stop any better. In fact, if anything, it's going to take slightly longer to stop because it's releasing the wheels. What it does is it allows you to maintain control of the vehicle while you're braking. Correct. Because if the wheels lock up when you're, let's say you, you hit a patch of ice, you slam on the brakes, well, now the wheels are locked. So when you turn the wheel, it's sliding straight ahead. It's exactly. not going to turn. What ABS does is allow you to make that turn because the wheels won't lock up. So it is a nice feature. It's just you don't really get a whole lot of it down here because you don't have ice and snow on the road. So it sits idle most of the time. and. If you go in every so often and have the brake fluid flushed out, then you can probably keep that thing working for the life of the car. But right. most people don't think about that, and it ends up something, yeah. something failing down up, the, something goes failing down out. the road. Let's see if we can catch a few of these phone calls. We've got Danny on the line. Good morning, Danny. Uh, yes, sir. I got an 07 Chevrolet pickup truck, mm-hmm. and I got a readout screen on the dashboard. Yes, that tells me different things going on and everything. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, like it'll say, come on, check brakes and everything. Yes, and I've had the brake pass check, and they're all perfect. Right. And it'll stay off for maybe a month, and it'll mm-hmm. come on for two or three days in a row. Usually it's going to say check vacuum booster or something to that effect, because it doesn't check the brake pads on this 07 Chevy pickup. But they've had an awful lot of trouble with that vacuum booster system on the brake booster. They come on constantly. And that, that's and, uh, more likely what it's saying. And then it says, you know, check left front tire pressure, right. check rear right, right tire, right, and all right. this other stuff. Tire monitor. And the tire pressure is perfect, you know, and yeah. then you get in. Well, see, first time you rotate the tires, if you don't go in and go through a big old involved procedure and relearn it, that light will keep coming on, too. Yeah, well, I've had that done, though, and it still does mm-hmm. it. I mean, it'll say check the left one, then check the right one. Yeah, I would and, first go in and relearn all those procedures and make sure they're right. If not, you got a bad sensor. The sensors okay. themselves go bad quite a bit as well. All right, I got 65000 on it. Uh-huh. Would that still be covered under the warranty or would that oh, be no, 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 336. No, even even 3601, mm-hmm. you can forget yeah, it. Yeah, 36001 miles. They're going to do that for you. Take a hike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yours. I've, I've had a mechanic tell me, he said, well, you may have to change all those sensors. Nah, I doubt it's all of them. It's probably one of them. Yeah, I changed two already, and they're pretty expensive to go yep. through and start changing yep. these yep. things. Yep. yep, need to get somebody who knows what to do and let them check it and tell you which one it is. Yes. Okay. Well, thank All you right. very much. Okay. All then. right. Bye. Bye. All right. Part of the automotive hour. Sorry, got Mike and Richard holding. Sorry, guys, but just don't have a chance to get to you. If you give me an email, I'll be glad to try to answer your question. That's the... right. You can go to the website and send Lewis an email from right. there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's a g c o a u t o dot com. Right. Agcoauto.com. They want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning, on Automotive Hour. Especially our pod listeners. That's right. Tell your friends and get some more on there. That's right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.